0: From field to table and flame to fork, the pursuit of the outdoor connection is ingrained deep within one's spirit. The draw of the flame of a campfire is felt from around the world. Why do we hunt? Pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. All right, here we are. Episode eight of the Campfire Conversations. Like We say it every time already, but this is something we've been planning for a couple of years and we're finally rolling it out. And uh, the the, the metrics we're getting are actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. So this episode should help that. Uh, It's uh, with son of the South, Josh Carney known Josh for a couple of years uh, through social media. He's got a huge following, just an all around great guy to chat with. And yeah, we just finally got a chance to, to bring him on we tried to bring him on a couple of weeks ago and uh for those that don't know josh is in a wheelchair and he ended up doing some damage to his back and couldn't make uh the, the record time so which which is understandable and then i get a text message from him this morning at eight o'clock our time he's two hours ahead and he goes i'm on like I, where are you guys i'm like time zones buddy he's like oh I'm not good with time. So <laughs> Well, he, when I told him though, that, uh, all we do is, uh, re- record the audio, he was kind of disappointed that uh, he said he spent 30, 30, minutes on his eyelashes to look good on camera. Yeah, he he so. did
1: look good. I have to say, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to correct you though, Steve, this is actually episode nine,
0: nine. Yes. I just even, wow. Wow. Nine. Yeah. Good. Correct me.
1: So yeah, we're, we're, uh. We're chugging right along, but no, this was great. This was my first time meeting Josh, and uh, even though it was virtual, it was great. Uh, yeah, he's such a uh, funny, uh, just positive oh, yeah. guy, and just just fantastic. And he's got he's got such a story behind him, and it, it's really so inspirational. You know, here's a guy who's you know had some adversity by anybody's standard that many yeah. people would have a hard time coming back from, but you know, not only did he come back from it, he, uh, he's, he's thriving. Like this is a guy who's, who's not afraid to grab life by the horns and, and, and go, you know,
0: or, or catfish by the mouth. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> we get right. into that. We get into that. Like what a character for, for somebody who, uh, was unfortunately put into a wheelchair at the age of 13. He's, uh, he's come a hell of a long way. And oh yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't let anything stop him. Absolutely nothing stop him. And yeah, great, great conversation. Got to know him a little bit more than uh, already did, and uh, yeah, we got some exciting things ahead coming. It sounds like if uh, we can make things happen. So
1: yeah, we might have some opportunities to to head down across the border to the south and and spend some time with Josh. And uh, you know, if that if that works out, that'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Speaking of exciting opportunities, it's well a week today because we're recording on the eighth here of, uh, April to week today until the o- Turkey, opener. And I'm going to be hopefully by this time holding one up for some pictures. And, yeah, uh,
1: it, it, that's right. Turkey season is around the corner here and, uh, we have a, a lot of turkeys in our area and the toms are already strutting and getting into the breeding mode. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and as you probably know, turkeys are
0: excellent table fair. So I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, it's, I, I've never hunted wild turkeys. Uh, the only wild turkeys I've hunted have been, uh, in the liquor store, but that's another story. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for it. It's something that it it never really interested me to be honest. Uh, when I first got into hunting and, uh, last couple of years, seeing some of the the pictures uh, and stories from you and other people that have, uh, posted them, it's just like, Hey, this kind of sounds like something I I, I'd like to try. So yeah, I got about 12 hour, 12 hour drive each way ahead of me and yeah it'll be it'll be a well good time. hopefully it'll
1: be worth it for you i mean it's uh we'll have some fun no matter what and and what i find with most people including myself is that turkeys are kind of under the radar until mm-hmm. you hunt them and you know almost everybody that you talk to that, that's hunted turkeys a few times would rank that as one of their favorite hunts and uh it, it, and I would have to say the same for me. I really enjoy hunting turkey. I mean, it's a low pressure hunt. I mean, you know, yeah, I love hunting elk, things like that. But you know, elk hunting could be a real grind. And and if you get an elk a couple kilometers from the nearest road, that's that's a job and a half. It could be a couple days getting all the meat out. <laughs>
0: With a turkey, you can always get it out in one trip, which is nice. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah, my kind of that's my kind of hunt. I heard the same thing about waterfowl. It was did five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. It was eh, don't care. And then. uh of mine said no we're going i'll pick you up tomorrow at like 3 30 in the morning because it was two hour drive to where we're going i'm like holy crap I got out there and buzz across the lake with the, the boat and start throwing the decoys out from the little bull rushes and all that and like not five minutes into throwing the decoys out i could hear the splash splash and the ducks were already landing in the decoys i'm like oh and now i'm hooked It's something I I didn't get to do it this past fall. Just the weather wasn't conducive to it and the birds weren't showing up, but it was just a, oh my God. So that's what I'm afraid of is going to happen with this hunt. It's going to be
1: okay. This is going to
0: be a yearly thing.
1: You might be doing a 12 hour drive one way every year here now. eh? Well, you you know, of course you're always welcome. So if you like it this year, anytime you want to come down, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, you'll you'll have an open invitation and and there's, there's a lot of uh, like the, the turkey population is it just keeps expanding and uh, Mm -hmm. the landowners in this area are getting increasingly more frustrated with them because anybody who lives with wild turkeys knows that they're you know they 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 can do quite a bit of damage to a property uh just to their their feeding and uh, scratching around and stuff like that so uh Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's getting to be the the areas to go turkey hunting down here on private land are 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 increasing because people are, are starting to realize that there's there's if anything there's
0: probably an overabundance in many areas yeah like like anything that needs proper proper wildlife management right <laughs> absolutely
1: and yeah you can't you can't as, get away from that that's just
0: yeah as soon as one population comes up something else gets negatively affected right and right. It may sound like like nothing to to some people that are listening like oh big deal they're eating your 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 chicken food but when those people depend on chickens for their livelihood right and they're supplying eggs and meat and all that and yeah it's 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 something that needs to be managed like anything like like deer, moose, elk, uh, any of the predator population. You can't you can't uh, balance one without trying to balance another or uh, having a negative impact on another. Right? Just, yeah, that's right.
1: And they're so, fun; they're really fun to interact with, and I'm sure you're going to have a really good time.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to well, one of our most popular recipes on the website is your smoked turkey. So yeah, yeah, yeah for people
1: get. that are you know you can use a domestic turkey as well but for anybody that has a smoker at home i mean you don't have to be a hunter to enjoy that recipe like domestic turkey work just fine but give it a try it's it's really out of this world
0: yeah i actually on our wild sheep society auction uh bid had the high bid on the bradley oh yeah so, that, so that's i haven't got it yet uh we're doing uh, an event up here after i get back And uh, one of the guys is supposed to be bringing it up for me. So yeah, that's what I use as
1: Bradley. They're
0: they're one of my favorites. So, all right. Anyway, episode nine. Did I get it right this time? You did. We had a conversation for like three minutes before. Okay, it's episode nine. It's episode nine. What do I do? Episode eight. So anyway, episode nine of the campfire conversations. Enjoy, folks. The perception of hunting, you know, has changed. It's our duty now, our responsibility as hunters, to change it back. I and mean, we've spent the last few decades trying, you know, espousing that, that message, preaching that message about wildlife conservation. You know, we've, it's fallen on deaf ears, all of our attempts. I think what, what we have to do
1: is, is maybe uh, appeal to the emotional side or the visceral side. We have to tell our
0: story. We know what we are. We know how deeply we care about wildlife. It's just the people out there that are, that are you know, voting to get rid of hunting. They don't understand our stories. Sometimes we, we have
1: to translate it to something that they understand.
0: Mr. Carney, how are you doing, my friend? Thank you for coming on. Doing
2: doing fantastic. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Hey, it's about the time we, we've managed to, to connect. It's been a couple of years. You and I have been chatting on uh on the social media, trying to work out our ways of uh getting thirty grand a month as influencers, not really coming together yet, but uh we'll we'll get there one day, I think. So You
2: know, where, where there's a will, there's a way. We just gotta figure out what's the right niche for us to you know get involved in that and make it 30k a month.
0: oh there's 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 influencers out there that do it it's 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 crazy some of these guys right like i just saw what's his name one of the paul brothers bought a a pokemon card for like five million dollars like imagine having that kind of disposable income there's some social media like come on what are we doing wrong
1: (laughs) i can't imagine buying a pokemon card card. with that
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't even own any Pokemon cards, but no. imagine five You want to get them now, right? It, it, it does. It does. Like, <laughs> I, I we just got to figure out what the heck we're, we're doing wrong. Like, 30K doesn't seem that, uh, that uh, unattainable. I actually saw a post the other day that talks about Elon Musk's money. And it, it said that we're closer as average people to being millionaires than he is because we only have to make a million bucks he has to lose something like $273.8 billion to be a millionaire. Like that's, that's disturbing. So I, I don't get it. Like that's an I, insane amount of
2: money. What do you, what do you do with all of that money? I guess you can do whatever you want to, but like, what do you like? What's the end go? Like, what do you do with that much money?
0: Oh, I, I, I can't even fathom it. Like, I I'm over the moon when I win 20 bucks on, uh, the lottery tickets. I'm like, yeah, I get another ticket for free. So I, I just, I can't fathom that amount of money. I saw it was at Kanye was on, uh, I think it was the Joe Rogan podcast. And he said, how much does the earth cost? I want to buy the earth. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. So that's, I, I, I really don't get that kind of that kind of money so kind of went off on a tangent there but anyway so for those that don't know uh josh tell us tell us about you who are you where'd you come from
2: i am josh carney uh, i go by the name son of the south born and raised in louisiana that place that they call um sports paradise i don't really think it's a sports and paradise but you know to some others they think it is um yeah i mean that's born and raised here you know I grew up you know playing with alligators in the backyard it's kind of our pastime you know we just feed the pet gators we call them water dogs down here
0: (laughs) wow gators everywhere like i i've been to florida once probably 15 years ago and i got off in the orlando airport and there's i don't know if you've ever been there but there's a a tank right there that's got gators in it i'm like oh that's kind of cool and Got to the hotel at, at like 11 o'clock at night, so I couldn't really see squat, but came out the next morning and there's a pond out there and I'm looking at the pond, as tourists to do, and one of the the concierges comes running out of the hotel, get away from the pond, get away from the lake, there's alligators, like, what? And there's signs everywhere, I'm just like, oh, guy, guy from the north uh, isn't really expecting as you call them, water dogs, so that's 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 just nuts, so born and raised in Louisiana, hey, like, whereabouts?
2: Yeah, uh, Baton Rouge. Funny oh. story. So um, last, where was it? Uh, it was Monday. This this past Monday, I uh, I went out to go shoot a video for um, um, a company called Wide Open Spaces, and I had to shoot some turkey content for them. And um, as I was out there, I went to a place that I kind of grew up on. It was public land down here in Louisiana, and I went out there to shoot the video. And um, as I'm out there filming, I'm by myself, no servers, anything like that and i'm rolling through the woods. so for the people that don't know so i'm in a wheelchair So, like as i'm rolling through the woods i roll up on this 10-foot alligator in the middle of the swamp so that uh that made my morning it made my morning very interesting for sure you know i didn't wake up that morning planning on rolling up on a a dinosaur but
0: yeah no doubt yeah uh,
2: i went from uh, uh, i went from being paralyzed to walking on air like i was Jesus Christ <laughs> so. <laughs> morning.
0: I I, I, am, I imagine sensations and feelings start coming back at that point. Like, oh shoot! Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Bad part about it is once sensations and everything start coming back, you realize that once you hit the ground, you can't really walk. So you got to go back <laughs> and get your hair <laughs> dragging out with you. You know. <laughs> I I you can, can imagine. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so son of the south, is that something that was given to you? How did that come about? Like, it makes sense now that I know a little bit. Like about baton rouge but how did that fall into place
2: so the name actually came from um a song called whistling dixie um like i don't want to i don't want to like get caught for copywriting or infringement or something like that but um in the song it goes uh i'm the son of the son in the south daddy redneck mama half hippie i was like oh my god like that's that's me like my, you know um, my dad's not a redneck, my mom's not a hippie, but I feel like in my lifestyle, um, I'm a little more redneck and a little more hippie than anybody in my family. So, like <laughs> I just like take the whole segment of being sort out. Of, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, that 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 kind of fits. Like uh, I, I thought it was just a you you're a, a born and raised Southern boy, but now when you say the song, I'm like, oh. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never even put two and two together. Well, I am. Yeah. I, I
2: am born and raised in the South. I mean, it's, uh, I've been in the South my whole life. Uh, like I said, born and raised in Louisiana. Uh, it's it's one thing about me. The thing about me is, like, I don't like the Colts. Like, I tend to stay under the Mason-Dix line. <laughs> so when it comes to traveling, like, I just kind of stay there. Like, oh, Son of the South fits you. So you don't travel past Kentucky. And that's like, yeah, I'm so t- no go for me, so I just kind of stay here in southern territories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say, getting you up here for like a winter wolf hunt is kind of out of it, eh? <laughs> minus forty, yeah, no,
2: it's not
0: gonna minus forty, probably, yes, not gonna <laughs> yeah, that would kind of no, suck. No, no. So,
2: see, my deal is like, I, 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 come from a long line of tropical people, and like <laughs> negative forty, just not gonna work for me.
0: Oh, it doesn't work for me. Like that's the type of cold up here. It's just, it, it happens for about a week every year. It's like, you know what? You can hear the trees freezing. Like you literally, when you're in the back country, we're out driving, you stop, you roll down the windows. So you can hear the trees freezing and cracking and like just the sap is freezing and then branches will fall off. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm not getting out of the vehicle here. I'm I'm heading home and and stuff breaks at that temperature. Like uh, we, we had uh wife's vehicle did this going back when was it January this year? Started it with the remote start. Went outside to move it, and uh, just moved it out of the carport and left it running. Walked back into the house, came out, and there's a pool of oil on the ground. I'm like, oh damn, turn it off. And it was so cold that it blew a frost plug. Like, <laughs> like that is cold. Like when oil is starting to to do that, it's it's a bit much. So. This that's so
2: like let me ask you a question. guess like, yeah, yeah. for like my own personal <laughs> reference. What makes someone want to live in a place like that?
0: <laughs> it's it, it i I know you'll it, it sounds like a cliche, but you'll it's 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 a dry cold, right? <laughs> it's a dry cold, like realistically here. Minus ten, it's it's dry. It feels probably you must minus ten, you're outside yeah, in but- like regular pants and a long sleeve shirt
2: yeah but there's still that that it's, it's the minus part that gets, like like i i never overdrafted my bank account but like hey listen i know it's a negative but it's a dry you know it's a dry yeah. amount that i'm missing you know oh
0: exactly i if, when we were in florida it was mid-february and we came out of the hotel at like seven thirty eight in the morning and i'm wearing shorts and a, a t-shirt and everybody there, the locals, you could, you could tell they were the locals. Cause they're looking at me like, Oh, what is with this guy? It's only 15 degrees Celsius. I'm like, this is downright balmy to me. So you, you get used to it, but, uh, cost of living up here is great. Uh, the hunting and outdoors is, is unbelievable. Like I'll get, I'll get moose in my yard every couple of weeks that we see. And they're, black bears everywhere and it's it's nuts so cost of living the the access to the outdoors is great the the cold kind of sucks for probably a month out of the winter but overall it's not too bad i guess be kind of the equivalent of being down in the south there and you guys getting the 42 to 45 degrees celsius right for a couple of weeks it's like how do you deal with that right so it's just the extremes right Well, I lived in Alabama for a few years and
1: coming from Canada, that actually ruined me for the cold. I was fairly cold tolerant before I went down, but when I came back, I, uh, yeah, I definitely softened when it came to cold. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) So going back a couple of years where I first noticed you was on a video with deer meat for dinner. Like I, I've, JP and I have followed Rob and his family for years and I saw you on there and it was like, holy crap, this guy is not letting anything stop him. And you guys were in the the bush buggy and uh, he was lifting you in and out. Yeah. And you guys were cracking jokes and it was just, you, you hear about people, they say, uh, Oh, I, I I hurt my knee or I pulled a muscle in my back and I can't I can't get off the couch for a week. But watching you get out there and like nothing was stopping you and and Rob and his family are just they're they're great, right? And it was like, holy shit, I, I gotta check into this guy. And I, I started searching you out on social and it was like, Oh wow, there he is. This is cool. So I started following you and you you and I kind of developed a bit of a relationship there. And it it's it's nuts so how how did you meet rob and 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 how did all that work out for you
2: so i actually met rob at a, a trade show i want to say 2014 um 2014 2015 i met rob and um this is like when he was just getting into the youtube game mm-hmm. and um we just kind of you know met there and became friends and things like that and um from there we just kind of kept in touch and uh further down the road yeah you know, we reached out to each other again it's like hey like let's uh let's come come down to florida and let's uh let's see what we get to get into and that's kind of what happened we uh we went pig hunting one day and then uh we went and caught some fish the next day and um just you know it's just a good time you know rob's one of those guys that you know he you his shirt off his back or or anything it's just a one of the incredible guys that i've met throughout the industry and um you know, Florida is one of those places where you can do just about anything. Like, there is almost nothing that you can't do in Florida. So, mm-hmm. for filming-wise and content purposes, you know, Rob has a pay when it comes to, you know, being out there where he's at. Oh, it definitely
0: does. Like, Again, th- through, through Rob, I, I picked up on his brother blue gabe and now his girlfriend island key kelly and they've just yeah. between the four of you guys you guys just have some some content that resonates with people outside of the hunting industry right and that's what one campfire is right we're we're trying to hit that yeah. that in between market right hunters are setting our ways the, mm-hmm. the anti-hunting organizations are setting our ways the ones that are important are are the ones that are in the middle as you know and you guys just you Mm -hmm. nail it beautifully with uh with the way Mm -hmm. you do it and and like i said rob's catch clean and cook is it just resonates on so many different levels right because we all have our own connections to the landscape it doesn't matter if you live in uh like the north here in minus 40 or down in baton rouge or in new york city right everybody has their connection to the outdoors and it's just a different way That's so hard. yeah trying trying to bridge that gap and like like i said in when i first noticed you with uh, the video there with rob and the, the catch clean and cook and how it's just so inclusive like the the outdoors are for everybody right uh and just the yeah. way the way they get the way you guys do it is just—it's—it's it's inspiring, right? Like I keep going back to that word of it being inspiring. So it was—it was a nice breath of fresh air because you see, oh, I'm not going to name any names, but you see, a lot of these, we'll call them hunting celebrities, are all about the the kill, right? Yeah. And there's there's, as you know, there's so much more to hunting. Than the killer, right. It's the journey. It's the exploration. It's the laughs, it's the good times you have with your friends, your family, and the, the connections that you meet through, through just being out there, right. As, as you said, you, you met Rob at a trade show, right. And, and you and I have met because yeah. of that connection. Right. And it's, it, it's, it's nuts at the friends and the camaraderie that uh, you you can meet through just having that shared connection. So it, like I said, it's, it's, Absolutely. It's,
2: so when it comes, to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes like outdoors, I mean, I've met a lot of people through sharing outdoor activities or you know outdoor hobbies, if hunting, fishing, um, sports. I'm not a real big sports fan, but you know, I met a lot of people through just outdoor activities in general. Um, and for me, you know, I love sharing hunting with people. I'm not very. Um, big on fishing. I just, it's just not something that I'm really, um, educated on, but I know people who are, and it's fun to go with those people and learn from those people as well. Cause you know, that's just not a field that, you know, I'm very good in. Um, so going with Rob and actually catching fish and figuring out what fish those were that we were catching. Um, and then actually going back to the kitchen and cooking and, you know, doing that whole process, you know, it educated me on, things that i didn't know and then that i want to pursue and put into more of like my my outdoor lifestyle like i want to do the you know the catch clean and cook but first off i can't cook i can catch it and clean i just can't cook it but like with people like and you know his brother doing informational videos showing how to prepare you know your meal things like that That brings a whole new level to um being an outdoorsman and it educates people in a way that they can go out and do it themselves. Like it's getting more people involved in the outdoors so that they can be successful and then they know what to do after they get that harvest back to their house.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's, it, it's, it's great to watch. It's, we all share that connection. Like no matter who you are on this planet, in order to live, you need to eat, right? And showing the steps of where your food comes from is, is something that's m- been missing for a lot of time. And uh, sadly, a lot of people think that, uh, their food just comes from the grocery store, right? And you, you've seen that famous meme that goes around, no <laughs> doubt, that go to the, why do you need to hunt? Go to the grocery store where no animals were hurt, right? It, it's, it's, it's yeah. the, the way they do it and the way you guys do it. It's, it was beautifully done. It wasn't in your face. It was, okay, this is what's going to happen. If you don't like it, look away kind of thing. You, we're going to go out yeah. and we're going to go hunt a pig. And the, 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 if we're lucky, yeah. uh, it's going to end up in the freezer and it's going to feed a, a bunch of families. So, yeah, Florida is, uh, it, I went there yeah. for Disney, right? I went there for Disney World. And it was, I went there as an adult. I'm like, nobody's judging me. But now I look at it with, with a different lens because I've seen, I, I didn't realize the, the abundance of not only native species there, but the invasives that Florida is dealing with from the hogs to the iguanas and and the, 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 the the boa constrictors or the pythons it's just insane. And unfortunately, right. Well, even the fish, right. Where, where Gabe is doing Mm -hmm. the the cast netting of like the plecos and all that, the ones that people are releasing from their aquarium. It's, and that shows why hunting is so important, right. It's a management tool, right. It's, but it's also one that allows us to connect deeper and to put food on the table. Right. So it's, it's, it's been great. So I saw a video on Facebook the other day, Uh, it was you sitting in in your chair in front of a lake and I don't remember who it was, but I commented on it. I'm like, Holy crap, right in the feels. It was somebody asking the story about (laughs) how you ended up in the chair. Holy crap. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen a JP. I have not. Holy. So if, if you don't, <laughs> if, if you don't mind Josh, can we dig into that story just a little bit and try and recreate it for, for here, just for people that don't know. Yeah. No, Josh, Josh is in a chair and this is uh, how did it happen?
2: Yeah. So the funny thing is that when I posted it, he so said, I, we, we filmed the videos, a company called Tract optics, filmed that video and when I reshared it, like I, in my mind, it was like, okay, well, this is this is my story, you know. It's in my mind, it's like, oh, well, it's just no big deal. This, there was a meaning behind the message, but for me, I'm just I was just like, hey, this is my message. You know? I'm just gonna put it out there for the people who don't know who I am are like, what happened? Like, this is what happened. But it, it was more than that, and I just I guess I just didn't look at it in, in that sense when I posted. I just wanted people to know who I was, because I had gained a new, um, a a new, new list of people that followed me and things like that. It just knew who I was on social media from the stuff that I posted and, um, you know, the jokes and everything like that, but they didn't know what happened or who I was. So I posted a video and (laughs) it's, it's, it tugs on the heart a little bit. Like it's one of those videos that, you know, it, it puts you in perspective of how people can haunt and, you know, things happen while hunting that could change someone's life. So it makes people realize that you know, even though you're hunting, you just have to be aware of your surroundings while you're hunting and things like that. It puts everything that comes to hunting to a different perspective. Um, so to get into what happened in this video, um, it, it goes back to when I was 13 years old. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing. You know, that was my life. I mean, I, that was my passion. From since I was a little kid, um, grew up rabbit hunting, chasing behind beagles. Got to squirrel hunting later on in life, and then at the age of eleven, I went deer hunting for the first time. And from there, I just fell in love with being in the outdoors more and more and more. I wanted to hunt all the time, and as I progressed and got a little bit older, I discovered this thing called turkey hunting. And as you know, time goes by, winter comes. Spring starts are all around. I'm interested in going turkey hunting. So now I want to be in the woods, opening day of turkey season. So that's what I do. Me and my dad go turkey hunting. Um, we go to church one Sunday morning. We go turkey hunting right up to church. And, you know, I was so excited to go turkey hunting, you know, at church that I forgot everything that the pastor said. Um, by the time I got outside in the church parking lot, I was stripping out of my uh, Sunday best and getting camouflaged. So I was just excited about going hunting and um we go to this place that i grew up hunting and we get down this gravel road and i see a feather in the road and we cross this ditch and we go set up my dad's 20 yards to my left and then i sit on a tree and you know as first taking out We didn't know what we were doing it's about midday we're calling working a bird and um no gobbles nothing like that we just, we're just working you know it's, we're just trying to get a bird to like our presence and you know as we're sitting there I look over to my left and I see my dad pick up his gun and shoulder it and uh, he goes to pull the trigger and the gun doesn't shoot. And I'm looking right down the barrel of the gun and um, he racks a shell in the gun and he shoots and he shoots me. Body goes numb. There's a ringing in my ears. My dad runs over and picks me up and um, carries me out of the woods. And next thing I know, I wake up in a hospital, you know, an operating table. I, I died twice on an operating table and, um, from there they finally got my body stable to where they could fly me from baton ridge louisiana to to new orleans and then i had to go through multiple surgeries i think i went through 13 surgeries just to be able to sustain life at that point um doctors came in was like look we he uh, got some bad news like you're uh, you're paralyzed you know you've been shot turkey hunting and you know your life as you know it's going to change so from there, I had a breathing tube in my throat because I had a bullet hit my esophagus. And um, just one day I, I was in the hospital and it, it was it was just itching me in the throat. And um, the doctor came in and said, You know, that breathing tube's been in your throat for so long, you're going to need a trach. You won't be able to talk. You're going to need a, a trach to, you know, to talk. And um, that really, it just kind of it pissed me off, to be honest with you. And, um, <laughs> I pulled a breathing tube out of my throat. I just kind of ripped it out. They didn't really like the fact that I did that, but I did anyways. And um, when I did that, it altered my vocal cords, and I had to go through vocal therapy just to um, learn how to, you know, talk again. But like my vocal cords never really matured because, like I said, when it happened, I was 13 years old, so I didn't hit like that full-on puberty mark to where I developed, you know, that that deeper voice and deeper tone. So. <laughs> When I did that, you know, that played a huge part of my life as to date, Um, And I just didn't know it. I do my recovery in the hospital. Um, I get out of the hospital. I think, I think three months I get out of the hospital. And two weeks after I get out of the hospital, I go right back hunting. Um, my mom wanted to kill me for a third time when I told her that I wanted to go back hunting. Um, but we worked through that, you know. <laughs> and from there, you know, I just, I stayed active and outdoors. I had to figure out life in a different perspective because I mean I went from, you know, climbing up trees and running in the woods and doing all this, you know, stuff as a quote unquote normal hunter or normal person to, you know, having to figure out how to live and hunt and be outdoors in a wheelchair. So, you know, when it came to life, you know, it threw me a challenge. But I'm one of those people that I love a challenge. So I had to figure out ways to overcome those obstacles to be successful. And that's just what I did. That's what I focused on. Like that's what drove me into getting in hunting more. Like every time that I was out there, I got out to be in the woods. I felt like that was an accomplishment. But for a small part of me, like that wasn't enough. So I wanted to be successful at being in outdoors and hunting. So I just I dug in deeper and, you know, I stayed focused on getting out there and being the best hunter that i could possibly be in my situation and from there i kind of continued to grow up and i went to a trade show in louisiana and a guy was trying to sell me a turkey call and i was like hey man listen like you don't know me i don't know you but turkey calls aren't really like my cup of tea right now being that i got shot turkey hunting like it's just like not my prime example of things that I want to hunt right now. So he actually was "Like, well, what kind of call do you use?" And he ran his turkey calling um, as a naive, you know, kid. I was—I I say, kid. I think I was like 20 years old, 21 years old. I was like, you know, man, I, I can do that with my mouth, and like, I didn't know it at the time. And he's like, "Well, let me hear it." So I mimicked his turkey call. He had a, a slate call, I believe. A slate call. And I mimicked his slate call, my natural voice. And the owner of the company turned around. And was like, is that our call? He's like, no, that's that kid. You know, he just mimicked the turkey call with his vocal cords. And, um, from there, I went to the next booth and, you know, I was just sitting there, you know, yelping like a turkey throughout this trade show. Cause I just discovered something. I didn't know what I could do. And uh, another guy stopped me. He was like, that's pretty good. Like, how long been doing that? I said, I don't know, man. I just learned it 10 minutes ago. And like at this moment, I had no idea what was going on in my life. I had no idea like this would be the changing point of my life. So as I go through this this, this trade show, I'm learning different calls. They're asking me if I can do different animal sounds. And I don't know at the time that I can. So I leave the show a couple days later. Um, I posted a video of me doing like a turkey call. In my truck just like driving down the road just doing a turkey call and so once i posted videos on social media it just kind of took off people were asking me like what other animal sounds i can do and um i just started studying different animal sounds so instead of me having a library of music on my phone i had a library of different animal sounds on my phone that i listened to and mimicked um and i started posting more videos and people would challenge me to make different calls and i just started posting videos and it just kind of took off on social media and um from there i had um a friend of mine reach out to me well i didn't know her at time she reached out to me it's like hey like you need to go to a ta show which is a archer trade show so i go to the show and meet up with her and we're going down this aisle and i freak out because there's a crowd of people and in the middle of this crowd is jim shockey so, like, now I'm, like, fangirling over Jim Shockey. <laughs> she's like, do you want to meet him? I was like, no, you know, he's got a crowd of people around him. He's busy. You know, I just, I don't want to meet him. So, she's like, you're going to meet him. So, she parts this crowd like Moses part in the Red Sea. And she's like, Josh, this is Jim. Jim, this is Josh. And, like, I'm so freaked out that I meet Jim Shockey that instead of me saying hi, I goose honked at him on accident. Like, I was just that excited. Like, I was that nervous. So, he was like hi, and I was like hi. Came out as a goose honk to Jim Shockey, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, she was like, hey, like do some of your other calls for Jim, and you know, I started like doing turkey calls and geese call and elk bugle, and you know, all these calls I learned over time, and people were like, who's blowing a duck call at this trade show? And people were like, that's not a duck call. Like, that's that kid making animal sounds in his voice. And so, videos started surfacing of me at this trade show. Going through the show of, like making all kind of sounds with my natural voice. And for three days straight, I went to this event and made call after call after call. And just skyrocketed in this realm of this industry. Because it was something that just wasn't seen. Or, like, wasn't, you know, introduced to the industry at the time. So... I got there and I made a lot of animal sounds that people just thought it was really cool. And I get back home and like my social media explodes with people wanting to know how did I learn that? Where did I come from? And all this cool stuff. So that's kind of how I got my start in like the hunting world of things by going to a trade show, making animal sounds.
0: Yeah. I I think I saw one of the videos there of you at uh, one of the trade shows that was just like, what the hell? No, like there's, there's got to be some <laughs> sort of call in his mouth. And for the, for those that don't know, no, he, he literally uses just his mouth. I've seen videos where you've got uh, the read in your mouth and you'll do a clock or whatever you're doing yeah. and you'll take it out. There's no cut. And then you'll do it again. <laughs> so what's your favorite call to make? Cause I, I think I, what do they, they call you? The, the world's original caller, natural
2: caller or something. Yeah, an original natural voice caller. That's it. That's it. Um, so that's 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 a title that was given to me. I didn't give myself that. Someone else gave me that, and I just kind of rode with it. Um, there are other people out there that can make animal sounds with their voice, and I've heard some incredible people do it over time. Um, but I think my favorite call to do is, uh, you know, I I love doing a Canadian goose honk because it's it's so simple for me to do it and it just it comes natural like speaking a second language um and the funny thing about it is like when i get like really excited certain words will come out as a goose honk when i get excited i mean like it's like a it's like a really like a really bad disorder like if i go out and like i start laughing or something like that and i say what it comes out as what like it comes out as a goose honk
0: it's unreal. Well, absolutely. let's let's hear that. Yeah, I want
2: to I want to
1: hear your your best uh, Canadian goose call if you don't mind doing that. Absolutely.
2: So let's do. Uh, I tell you what. Give me a one syllable word. Uh that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, that hat uh, is cool. I'll do that hat is cool. I'll do a whole sentence in a goose call for you. Sure. All right. That 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 that.
0: That is that's, un- that's unreal. That's pretty impressive, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. I got into waterfall waterfowl hunting a few years ago, and I could use you because the guy that yeah. I go the guy that I go with uh, is deaf, and he can't hear his calling, and he's still better than me. <laughs> that's unreal. I I can't get over that. How did
2: how did how does that make you feel? Oh,
0: I, that's that's why I How don't. How does
2: it make you feel that the deaf guy calls better than you? <laughs> well,
0: it, exactly. Like it's waterfowl hunt. I don't waterfowl kill, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a difference such... there. So, I'm. That's, that's like they say. Uh, you know. So I'm actually doing my first turkey hunt of JP <laughs> next week. I think I told you that on offline. But what as a turkey hunter and a turkey caller, JP is going to be the turkey caller. What, what tips do you have for, for, for a new, new turkey hunter?
2: The best thing to do is learn how to locate your birds. And if you have birds located, you know, I, so I don't know how um the birds are, where you guys are from, but here, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those deals where, you know, you want to sound like you're the most attractive hen in the woods and depends on what state you're hunting. I mean, sometimes you just have to, you know, the, the way I the way I look at it, the way I tell people um how I approach turkey hunting and calling turkeys, it's kind of like dating. Like you have to present yourself as like you're available and like you want that, that guy to buy you a drink. You know, it's like you're the lonely hand at the bar and like you want that guy to buy you a drink. So you just kinda have to throw out those charming calls and you know, so you know, it's just it's just a matter of working a bird, understanding a bird you know, giving them what he wants to hear and, you know, all of that fun stuff. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it is hunting. You know, you can be the best caller out there at the end of the day, you know, you get a reward when a bird comes in and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about being out there and outdoors and enjoying hunting for what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
0: so, so, so Joe- Oh, sorry, ahead.
1: I was just going to say, Josh, do you mind doing an example of, of a <laughs> couple of your most popular uh, turkey sounds? I knew that was. I, I, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to learn all. Like I, I've called several turkeys, but man, I could sure learn a lot more than I know. So
2: have you have you ever called turkeys with your
1: mouth, like just your voice? I've I've gotten Toms to uh, strut, just doing a voice imitation of a hen call, but I, I'd I'd be very reluctant to do that uh, publicly here <laughs> because it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound very good, but it sounds good enough to get them to raise their tail up.
2: Here's the thing, like, you don't have to be the best, like, even the real hens don't sound the greatest at times. So, you don't have to be the best caller to kill a turkey. I've learned that a long time ago. Um, I've heard some hens that sound absolutely terrible, but there, it's the real deal, you know? Um, but I'm actually kind of curious. I kind of I kind of want to hear your impression of a turkey with your voice. Oh, man. Well,
1: yeah, this is going to be absolutely <laughs> awful. This is probably going to d- destroy any future I have on uh, Podcast, but uh, here it goes. So, like, this is just a hen. Like, we have Miriam's turkeys up here, and this is approximately not what they sound like. But uh, it's like, it's <laughs> not bad. Steve, what do you
2: think? <laughs> I, I don't think even... it's bad at all. I, I mean, I, I think it works.
0: I've never even called a turkey, so I wouldn't even know if you, you want to call moose or.
2: Oh,
1: you you got to do it now, man! I did it. You you got laid
0: down. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> You heard me. <laughs> That's no fair.
2: I, Come I, on, Steve. Would... We're cheering you on. This is this is how we're gonna get that. Uh, this is how we're gonna get to that 30,000 30, a month on YouTube. I make you do animals. <laughs> yeah. Here, turkey, 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 turkey.
0: That's about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm clueless for it. <laughs> well, you know,
1: sometimes with the toms, you know, you just got to honk your vehicle horn or slam your door and they they'll gobble back at you so that wouldn't necessarily bring them in but it's amazing the sounds they'll
0: respond to i've heard that with with I, yeah I now no, and that's... i know moose will do that with a chainsaw a buddy of mine goes out and he cuts firewood every year and just the way he pulls the the trigger to get it to go sounds just like a moose and the moose will come in to a chainsaw really yeah yeah, <laughs> well, yeah exactly you wouldn't expect that Huh. I didn't believe him until I saw it. I'm like Near. I've been
2: out here doing it wrong all my life. I just need to go get a chainsaw <laughs>
0: <laughs> no kidding'll hey, do
2: um I'll do I'll start with the I'll start out with a uh a uh, simple hint yo and I'll, I'll go into like a, a little bit of a Purr.
1: dude that's impressive wow yeah and then you know i have to say i I appreciate it he's legit not uh, using any
0: call that's his no
1: i you know what it just occurred to me the advantage the advantage you have is like i i use a box call that's all i've ever had and uh i'm i'm really at least with my ability to box call i'm really limited on the the sounds i can make with your voice and your skill like you can you can make all the different tricky sounds that's fantastic
2: yeah so it's it's one of those deals where i mean i I just kind of learned it over time um i just listen to um certain calls and you know for me it's it's all about how i how much tension i put on my my vocal cords when making when flowing that air out um so i can actually like make a a more raspier pitch tone and then i can actually sound like a like a, a box call with that that older, like, that older hand with that drag, that, <coughs> or I can high pitch it. <coughs> so it just depends on, you know, how I want to call a bird and all that good stuff. But it's fun to work with. I,
0: I, I didn't even know what to say to that. Like, that's Yeah, that's impressive. Unreal. <laughs> unreal. Like, I remember reading something, I think, well, a couple years ago, it was, what, 30 you you figured you had about 30 different animals you could mimic?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, I got my library is, it's pretty intense. Um, funny thing about that is, uh, I have a guy that actually wants me to go to Africa and call in predators in Africa. So I have to add on different animal sounds just to go over there and do that. So that's going to be fun learning how to sound like a, a dying water bees. So, so
1: so Josh, is there any animal sound that you've really wanted to make, but you just, that you, you just can't (laughs) make properly or can you pretty much learn anything you set your mind Um, to when it comes to
2: that? You know, I've, I've always wanted to make the, uh, I was going to tell a really bad joke, but I didn't know which way that would go. So I'm just going (laughs) to say no. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll leave that up to our imaginations,
1: I guess. Eh, what you're gonna say? <laughs> that's awesome. You can just text the, me in. The
2: comedy side of me was about to come out yeah, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: you know, we're, we're pretty uncensored here, so whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Speak, speak, oh, speaking like that, that, speaking of that, I want to get into the. I think I gave you shit for it in, in a message about the uh, the catfish noodling. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs>
2: oh well see here's you, you want to know what i was thinking so
0: oh i know what you were thinking i've seen the so videos I
2: got, yeah uh so here's here's what happened what had happened was a friend of mine allison she was she invited me noodling okay and i was like okay like i'll do it like you know she's going out there catching these big catfish by hand like it can't be that hard like as, as a as a guy, I felt like my testosterone was way too high when I agreed to do it. And then when I got out there, it lowered really quick. Um, because once you get in that water, like you don't know like what's in that hole. So like when you, you're reaching around and trying to figure out what's in there. It, it could be a snake, it could be a snapper turtle. Like there's no I you have no idea what's in that hole.
1: Oh yeah, and you could lose your finger. I mean that's the thing. It's uh it's not for the yeah, fake so, like, heart. So
2: Yeah. So like I played it smart. So um, as a single guy, it went through my head as, you know, if I stick my left hand in the hole and a snapper turtle bites off my ring finger. And technically I don't have to get married because I don't have a ring to put a finger on. So I played it smart when I initially went into there. Um, But it was still it was still probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life that I plan on doing again. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of those, have you ever like watched Fear Factor? Yep. Like this is like one of those Fear Factor episodes. You know, you're just, you're in there, you can't see anything underwater. You're just like feeling around. Like all you feel is, um, it's kind of like your, your, your hand is on sand at a beach. Like that's what the inside of a fishing hole, a fishing hole feels like. That squishiness latches onto your hand. It feels like somebody slammed your hand in a car door. So, like all of that, you still can't actually see what's underwater. It's a, it's, a, it's one of those deals that make you, um, make you turn very squeamish very quick. And for the video that was posted of me doing that for the first time, I was very squeamish. It was very interesting and entertaining to watch. I, I love watching it, but I don't know that I
1: could do it. I honestly. You know, I used to do uh, quite a bit of whitewater kayaking when I was down in Alabama and, and Georgia. And, you know, we'd routinely see mouths and copperheads and, you know, all, mm-hmm. these, all these poisonous snakes. And, uh, you know, I mean, for people that don't know what noodling is, you basically stick your hand into an underwater little hole trying to grab a catfish. Mm-hmm. and and uh, But you don't know what's in there. You haven't seen the catfish. You just feel around for it from what I understand. And, and hopefully it latches down on you. But... The, the risk of something other than a catfish being a hole isn't zero. And uh, if it's not a catfish and something yeah. else, I could, could work on poorly. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, like I said, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the craziest things that I've ever done. Um, but like I said, the, the girl that I went with, Allison, she actually went from like noodling catfish to like last year, she went like noodling for snapping turtles. And like, what, like what inside of your brain triggers the fact that you want to go stick your hand in a snapping turtle hole or like reach down for snapping turtles to figure out that you can like pull them out. Like that's, it that doesn't entertain me enough. Like that's, that's a fear fact that I don't want to come across.
1: Yeah. That, that's almost like noodling for, for bears in a den. I mean, honestly, a snapping turtle is <laughs> pretty terrifying. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, wow. it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I would rather go swim with sharks inside of a cage, of course, than to go stick my hand in a hole looking for a snapping turtle. I, so, I
1: think I'd almost rather the swim with sharks without the cage than do that. Honestly, the snapping turtles can be pretty, pretty
2: wild.
0: <laughs> Just, yeah. I, I th- I'll think I'll sit on the beach and watch. Yeah. I'll sit in the boat and fish. Like, if I want to catch come on, catfish. Now, like, like, you don't... <laughs> no guts, no glory, You don't get Steve. a
2: participation trophy by sitting on the beach. <laughs> True enough, I suppose. eh? <laughs> So, so did you did you get so to listen keep whenever any of those? you guys want to come down and do that? Like we could set that up so you guys can come down here and do that. It'll be like a great episode.
1: Hey, well, wow. I do that. Well, I got an idea. Steve can do the noodling, and I'll do the alligator hunting. Hey, I'm, I'm up with both.
2: <laughs> so, like, what if you both have to do both of those? Yeah, I, mean, I'm, like, I would let, do it. Let, you know let, what? I would do it. I'd do it too. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it. it.
1: I, I'd do it. I. I, uh, I. I. I'll be afraid. I'm not. I'm not uh, beyond telling you. I. W- I wouldn't. My heart would be beating, and I'd be pretty damn terrified. Could but I? Yeah, could I mean, wear gloves? I would do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You. So. Um. I mean, I, I would recommend wearing gloves because I mean, they have little bitty teeth, but they still tear your hand. Up. I mean, it's like rubbing seen. your hand against sandpaper. Like they'll tear your hands up when oh, it starts swirling, swirling around and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, but yeah, come down and do it. You'll have a great time.
1: Well, well, that sounds actually kind of tempting I'm, now that I, it's on the I'm table. In.
0: I'm in. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. So coming up on an hour, I mean, so like, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I will warn you, like when you come down to do that, um, bring your man card because you're probably going to leave it here <laughs> when you go back home.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. Hey, I, I've got one more question here, Josh. Uh, I've noticed in your Instagram pictures, I I saw your one of your wheelchairs that has the tracks. Now, how capable yes. is that? Like what what's the ability of that wheelchair? That's a pretty interesting
2: piece of technology. So it's called an action track chair, and basically it's like a miniature bulldozer. Um and has the it has tracks on it like a like a bobcatter bulldozer, so it doesn't get stuck as far as going through mud, rocks, sand, things like that. I mean, like, it, it's able to, you know, pretty much push through anything. And I've taken that chair through some things that were very questionable for me as a guy in a wheelchair, or, you know, being out in the middle of the woods, and I'm just going to, like, take it through a mud hole and, like, hope not to get stuck. Um, so as far as having one of those things, it's, it's a really great tool to have. But it's not the... It's not the best thing when you're a little bit of a rebel and, like, you figure, like, you're invincible just because you have tracks on it. Because I've taken it through lakes and ponds and stuff like that, thinking that, you know, I can't be stopped. And, you know, I did get stopped. But, you know, there's a safety factor where you think you're Superman in a chair. But, no, it it can get me just about through anywhere. I haven't gotten stuck or anything like that. Um, There's been a time where I've um, um, center-planed it, so it's like a rock or something underneath it. But I mean, it still spins out. So it's it's one of those deals where, you know, it's it's pretty invincible when it comes to pushing through and getting me wherever I need to go.
1: Now, is that the chair you use for hunting most
2: of the time? Then, yes, that is my my hunting chair. It comes out when I when I'm ready to go hunting. So yeah, that's my uh, I call it my dragon wagon. <laughs> that's impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. So, coming
0: up on an hour here, and I want to be respectful of your time. So to close it off, a bucket list for you. What's a bucket list hunt that Josh needs to do?
2: Oh, you know, I've always had a bucket list hunt of wanting to hunt um a mountain lion with a bow and arrow. I um, mean that's probably always been one of my dream hunts. Um yeah. don't know why it's, for for me it's it's I like hunting animals that puts a little bit of a fear factor in involved yeah. in it, you know, especially when I can't run away from it. So like I want something that's gonna like yeah, I, I kind of say make it fair game because you know I can't run and the animals running at me, so I, it's it's fair game at that point. Like I want to be the next meal, or it be the next meal. <laughs> so <laughs> a mountain line with a bow is definitely something that I am definitely curious to have as a buckless hunt. Awesome. Well, I think that's a doable hunt. I mean, there's uh,
1: you know guys you take it with bows, and yeah, that's that's there's certainly something I'm sure you'll be able to do someday.
0: Have you ever tried uh, eating one? They're absolutely never, delicious. I,
2: I, is it? Yeah. So are you eating the – so what's – I've seen people do it. So it's the, mainly the backstrap or like do you like, use like the hindquarters for like stew or how do you, yeah, how do you go about it? Just, back just like
0: you would a pig. It's very, very – it's a white meat and it's okay. it's sweet. And I'd, I'd compare it to to pork. It's absolutely okay. delicious at uh, our, our wild game banquets that we do. It's always the first meat that disappears.
1: Yeah, it's not oh, it's yeah.
2: not
0: gamey at all. It's it's really mild flavored meat. Yeah, delicious.
1: So, so. is
2: it is it is it cooked as like more of a, a grilled meat or like would it more be like ground or like how would it how's it prepared?
0: Uh, one of the, the really really popular ones is you know butter chicken, like Indian style. Yeah, just like uh-huh. that, or okay. meow main Meow main like uh, chicken miao but both cat. It's okay. absolutely yeah. Yeah. phenomenal, it's phenomenal to try. So. Yeah, and oh, the
1: only to... the only caveat to cats or is like bears is you have to make sure that you cook it through. Yeah. But yeah. That, other than that it's okay. it's really versatile. Yeah. So So
2: like when when it so comparing it to bears, so like I know um for bears when you catch them in the spring or time when they're still eating berries the meat's like really sweet. Yeah. Like is that something like you compare to cats also like just time of year to figure out when it's best? Okay. No. No, I think they're matter. always eating
1: this. They're pretty much always eating deer and elk and sometimes yeah. moose. So yeah. their, their diet doesn't vary.
2: No, I got so you a whole
1: lot.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Josh. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you get on with the rest of your day today and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, nice, Josh. It was nice I to meet you it guys. It's right. been
2: great. Take care. Take
0: Cheers. care.